Amen. Uh, that was beautiful. Thank you for that. Let's open our Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. And we're going to read a lengthy passage down through verse uh, 13. Matthew 11 and verse 1. We'll read these verses responsively. That means I'll read the first verse. We'll read the second verse together and so on. Matthew 11 verse 1. And shall we stand please for the reading of God's word. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the disciples concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. If you look back at verse 11, it says, And verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. And uh, this morning I want to speak to you on this subject, there hath not risen a greater. Uh, let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the message. Uh, we yield your spirit that he would lead and guide us as to what to say, that you give us power to preach and to hear thy word, and that we would understand true greatness and the spirit of excellence. We pray that we would examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith and the spirit by which we choose to live this life, that we would be more sober-minded and more diligent and whatsoever our hand findeth to do. Help us to do it with all of our might. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. There hath not risen a greater. Uh, greatness is a concept of, based on comparison. And it's a state of superiority. Uh, some may say they have better abilities than others or they're better than others by comparison. And I want you to know what Jesus said here. Notice, he did not say he was the greatest. 
he said that there had not risen a greater than. So there were many great, but nobody greater than him. There could have been others and will be on his level of greatness. But there has not risen a greater born of women. So greatness is in the eye of the beholder. It really is. The old saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure. There's a new saying going around, you say goodbye, say hello. You want to dump something, another person will give you a lot of money for it. So this is the result of comparison. Comparing abilities, achievements, acquisitions, talents, skill levels, these types of things. So all this is relative. It's subjective. It is not truth in the way that men quantify and uh, term greatness. So if it's based on talent or your natural gifts or your physical abilities or your intellect or these types of things or competition with other men, this is very subjective. So what is the measurement of true greatness? What is the gauge? Who determines what is great? And should we seek greatness? Uh, some people want to be great. Some people don't want any greatness at all. So what is the Bible quality of greatness? It's what's called spirit of excellence. Daniel had a more excellent spirit than the other advisors to King Nebuchadnezzar. He was more excellent in his what? Spirit. Not in what he did. Nothing visibly or physically. Those were manifestations. But it all stems from an internal character and a spirit of excellence. And so that's what the Bible says. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God so you can be the best you can be by doing the best you can do, but it all starts out with a spirit of excellence. I want to be the best I can be, not better than you. There's always somebody faster, smarter, richer, better looking. That's competition by comparison, but I can be the best I can be. You know, and the old sermon, I, I think Brother Howell's preached it, and I preached it a long time ago. I just wanted to be the best I could have been. My goal in life, though we'll all fail, but you have to set the standard high, I want to be the best I could have been with my limitations or potential given to me by God. So if you think about the great players on the great teams and the great dynasties the great nations of the world history the great kingdoms of the world you think about maybe the greatest physicians the greatest astrologists or archaeologists architects the greatest engineers who ever lived the greatest historians or the builders the kings and the governments the world leaders, and then even great families, great individuals in the families. But who determines what is great? Because 
what one man loves, God may hate. Or what one man says is great, God may say is a total failure. So I always go back to 2 Corinthians 10, 12, for we dare not make ourselves the number uh, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. And this is mentioned seven times, which is the number of perfection or completion. Uh, when, when you think about ourselves comparing between themselves it's not wise. So this is the way the world does it. This is great because I've compared. I've looked at the statistics. This is the top. This is superior. But what is the reality? Only God can tell us what is great. Right. Only God can divine true greatness. And you have to have the final authority. The final authority above all other authorities that God in the Word of God, the old King James, will tell us what is great. So it's not just a superlative. You know, America is a nation of superlatives in their advertising. Greater, the best, greatest. You know, it's always something like that. Uh, but it's all relative. And I think about this all the time. That's even to those who are in the game. I think the greatest people probably were never made public. I fully believe that. I think the greatest men and women who ever lived, nobody really knew them. They were not famous and in, in popular in the media, in the world's eye, that was recorded in history. Some of the greatest people were poor and uneducated and never known by the world. So once again, it's relative. But they always talk about the best, the most, the highest, the fastest, the biggest, the winningest, if that's a word. How do we know what is true? You know, in America, uh, I saw this many years ago and it disturbed me, but we're all used to it. Uh, America will allow you to lie and there's no ramifications. Uh, for instance, in their advertising, all these claims, they're all a lie. And it's all speculative, it's subjective, and there's no basis to it. The number one selling pickup in, and then it'll say, according to uh, the most visited park in, how do I know that? The America's favorite ice cream. Um, Texas best. Mexican food, or the highest rating, this or that. It's always superlative. So, and you have these f food critics that will go and they'll give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Everybody wants to make a rating. Is it five star, or whatever? And uh, you know they don't tell you about the ghost unless you're looking for ghosts. You know, you go for a five star rating and you get attacked by ghosts. Uh, that may be a five star. That may be a, a no star. But so what, what does the Bible say? It's character. It's invisible. It's the spirit by which you choose to live your life. And that gives you a purpose to live your life. And 
a conviction to do what's right regardless of if anybody sees it or if it's important in the world's eyes. So we're not trying to be a show-off. And, you know, we're from the Red River North in Oklahoma, my, my dad's family. And uh, when somebody would wear a real bright-colored shirt, they, my, my uncle would say, that's loud. You know, you're trying to draw attention to yourself by a loud, vibrant colors. And, uh, you know, we're not trying to be loud. We're not trying to be better than somebody else. We're not trying to win a game. You know, I, I fully believe it. The greatest teachers in China, nobody knows who they are. The greatest teachers in a public school are not famous. The greatest parent that ever lived, you know, everybody, some people think all their parents are the greatest, but it's not by comparison. It's by the spirit that they live their life. So if you think about this greatness measured by comparison in the world's eyes, comes through competition the world's way, is based on an ability or a skill of an individual to be superior to all the others in the game. And then it's based on popularity, notoriety, based on all these things which we've mentioned, but it's limited to very few in the world's eyes. But you can be great in God's eyes. Amen. And nobody may know it, but God will know it. And that's all that matters. Amen. You know, we're not all gifted athletes. I would, I don't really think I'd want to be uh, with my bowed legs uh, and knobby knees. Uh, do you have the talent? Are, we're not talented speakers or actors. Uh, most of us are not skilled musicians. We're not studied people of the law and these types of things. We'll probably never be a corporate head or a company executive. Uh, may or may not be, but we're not people usually of great wealth. The common people heard him gladly. The common people heard him gladly. We'll probably never be on TV for the right reason in the world's eyes. Um, but, so to them, we're average. They call us Neanderthals. We're out of date. We are uh, antiquated, uh, has-beens, Cro-Magnet, not Cro-Magnet, but uh, that's the way the world sees us. So, we should never be guilty of hero worship, and we should never seek achievement to beat someone else just to be said, I'm better than them, or I have greatness in the world's eyes by appearance, acquisition, achievement, through comparison, by competition, in any of these things, because that is the pride of life to be lifted up, to swell, to be puffed up, look at me. I have a bigger trophy, I got the first place ribbon, whatever the situation is. So the great people in the eyes of the world are not great in God's sight. That's in the world's sight. 
And if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And we're supposed to come out from them and be separate, saith the Lord of hosts, and touch not the unclean thing. Luke 16, 15 says, That which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Don't forget that verse. That means great people in the eyes of men are not just nobodies in the sight of God, they are abominations in the sight of God. So when you look at the text in John the Baptist, he's not the greatest man to ever live, but there's not risen a greater than him. You know, I think it says of Hezekiah, he's, he wasn't the greatest king that ever lived, but he, nobody was greater than him. And they all had failures and they all made mistakes. So the biblical greatness of the internal spirit of the life dedicated to the will of God and the word of God. Notice what he was. He was faithful regardless of all consequences. He stood for the truth. He was greatly persecuted. Died a martyr's death and was decapitated. His head was placed on a charger. We know that. But he, he realized, I have to point people to Christ. That's all I'm going to do. His, his goal was in, in calling was to prepare the way of the Lord. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So the greatness is not found in affluency. You know, I, I have certain relatives, and all they care about is, where did you go to school? My kid graduated from Evolution U. Uh, how much money do you make? You know, all, uh, what's your standard of living? That's, that's all they care about. But only God can decide who is truly great. And it's not even who is great. It's what is great. And it's invisible. But there hath not risen a greater than anyone born of women than John the Baptist. So notice, he didn't even perform miracles. He didn't raise the dead. He didn't heal the sick or hither the, you know, the withered hand or cause the blind to see or cast out devils. He didn't do any of that. He, he wasn't famous because of what he could bestow upon people. Matter of fact, he was kind of strange. He was a little bit of a weirdo, we'd call him. He lived out in the woods and he was hairy and dressed weird and ate bugs. I mean, think about it. This is the greatest born of women. You know, we like to be popular, charismatic, to fit in the status quo. But I really think one of the things that was great about him is he knew his uniqueness, and he didn't care what anybody else thought. I'm going to be true to who God made me to be and to... Point the way to the Lamb of God. Prepare the way. But he didn't perform miracles. Matter of fact, his message was a little bit uh, offensive because when they would even come and he would baptize them as a Jewish national baptism to prepare the way of the Lord, a baptism of repentance, he would say, that's not good enough. Now go bring forth some works, meet for repentance. Show me you really believe by the way you have a changed life. That didn't sit well with a lot of people. He, he pointed his finger in uh, Herod's face, says, it's not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. 
That's what got him locked up in prison. Ultimately, he died a martyr's death. He just preached, behold, the Lamb of God. He didn't build anything. He didn't build a church. He wasn't, he wasn't even a soul winner. He just did what God told him to do. And there is not risen among women a greater than John the Baptist. Why was he great? Amazing thing. He didn't have an air-conditioned auditorium with padded pews, with a pipe organ, with a choir, a robed choir. He didn't have huge crowds. As a matter of fact, he was trying to hide from the crowd. He would go out there and just do what God told him to do. He wasn't social. Amen. He didn't like ice cream social. He didn't like Baptist dinner on the grounds. He didn't like Golden Corral. He was a loner. That doesn't make you great either. You could be a total loser and be a loner. <laughs> but he, he didn't, his leadership didn't depend on his facilities that he had. I mean, he, people were drawn to him because of who he was and what he was. And when people went to hear him preach, I mean, they, they had to sit down on a rock or kneel down or sit down on a blanket on the dirt. Um, the, the, the church ceiling was the sky. And he was sent from God, it says. That's all that matters. He was sent from God. He did what God called him to do. He wasn't trying to impress people. He was trying to stay true to the call and get people to confess and repent of their sin. And he stood firm like a wall of truth against the winds of loneliness, rejection, misunderstanding. He was a lot like Elijah. You know, had a big old girdle on and a hairy guy, a brute guy that probably drove a lot of people away. But he was just true to who God made him to be. And his influence did not depend upon being understood by the public, being accepted by the general public. Uh, but he just knew how to wield that sharp two-edged sword of the Word of God. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He said, I'm not even worthy to take his shoes off, to unlatch his shoes, and to wash his feet. That's the Son of God. I am preparing the way of the Lord. So he wasn't trying to sell Christ. He wasn't trying to get people to pray a prayer to build up the numbers. He wasn't trying to build the statistics. He wanted truth. He wanted real people. He said, now you believe? I baptize you with the baptism of repentance. Go bring forth some fruits, meat for repentance. And he said, quit taking advantage of the poor. Quit be satisfied with your wages. Quit being worldly. Get your priorities right. And he knew all these things. And he saw it coming. And he was sent from God. And his greatness wasn't found in performance. You know, there's somebody who can always outperform us. More talent, more coordination, more skill, prettier voice, whatever the situation is. So, even after no miracles, couldn't, he didn't work miracles. He was the greatest of the greatest born of women. Now, 
all of us can be great if we follow the example set by John the Baptist. So, you know, I'm looking at what I, is true greatness. I'm looking into the faces of true greatness. How great are you? You say, well, I lost the race. I came in fourth place. That's not greatness. Say, well, I don't, I don't have a really nice home and things. Like, that has nothing to do with it. Greatness is, will you in your spirit answer the call by faith of the will of God and be the best you can be for God? Amen. That's it. You will be the best you can be to stay true to what God made you to do and, and gave you a uniqueness. You know, I, I believe there's more greatness in this room than in the NFL Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, which is a bunch of statues with a bunch of ghosts. And John Madden said he thinks at night the buzz start talking to each other. <laughs> uh, nah. Greatness is being who you are, the best you can be. And quit making excuses to fail. Quit looking at your limitations and limiting God to your limitation and make an excuse, well, I can't do that, and I'm not made for that, and I'm not really, uh, that isn't my area of expertise. Find out what God made you to do and be the best you can be at it, Amen. and don't make excuses. Amen. Look at all that was against John the Baptist. Well, he didn't have a building to preach, which that's not really important. He didn't have nice clothes. He said people that wear soft clothes are in king's houses. He was roughly shod. He was what you'd say a man's man of a brutal looking guy who probably was like a mountain man if you think about it. He knew how to live out there without all the modern conveniences. And he, he was probably mocked, misunderstood, persecuted by, you know he was all the, the sophisticated upper echelons of society, that he was too good for them. He was too great. They couldn't even comprehend. Why are these people following this man who's a weirdo out in the, uh, the forest or the desert? He doesn't even perform miracles. And you know what I'm going to hear? He's saying, I have to repent, and I'm a sinner, and I'm not right with God, and I need to show I believe that Jesus is the Lamb of God, and let Him baptize me by, in deep water by immersion, and then I have to go prove it. And this guy's a troublemaker. You know, I hear that all the time. He picked a fight with the government. You shouldn't have said that. Well, he got his head cut off by being great, you know how many failures didn't have the fortitude or the backbone to say it like he should have? Amen. Now, what does the Bible say, Jeremiah 5.5? 5, 5. Jeremiah said, I've gotten me to the great men. I've tried to get to the great men to surround myself with great men by not looking at their achievements by being greater than somebody else, but they have the spirit of greatness that they want to be the best they can be in their own unique way to glorify God. That's true greatness. You know, the Olympics, they said it was the worst ratings, and I praise the Lord, I didn't watch a second of it. 
Praise the Lord. I don't even care. Uh, where, where you can be an American and go and compete for another comp- country, it's the most corrupt. I don't. I've never understood that. And we pay for all of it and the training and our. You know, it's, it makes no sense. I can't watch that stuff. But they they sacrifice for four years to be great. Like, they're like Tony the Tiger. The great that they got the gold, the silver, the bronze, or whatever. Uh, there's probably somebody a lot greater than you who didn't who didn't care about being great, who could outswim you by laps or downhill ski, and they didn't even enter the Olympic because they don't care. You were just the greatest of that group of competition to compare to that group. So, not advising you to eat grasshoppers, but they. They say they have a lot of protein. Uh, But be who you are and don't worry about a popularity contest. This is not a popularity contest. I say it all the time. And it's not a competition. No, look what they can do. They're better. All I want to be is what the best I can be. For me, that's all I can do. So when you get in the competitive comparison spirit, you have lost true greatness. Did you hear me? You no longer have the opportunity to be great because now you're trying to compete and compare, and that's pride. And pride says, God said, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So, notice, he was a man of conviction. He said, what went you out into the wilderness? A a reed shaken by the wind? You know, a little... Somebody no backbone, get pushed around, get blown around, afraid of their own shadow, won't stand up to anybody. He said, no, this, he stood tall. He's, he stood firm. He has conviction. He has fortitude. Jesus said that. And then he said, he's roughly clothed. He doesn't fit in. He's not in fashion. He's not in vogue, whatever that means. He's not a politician either. He's not trying to get votes. He's not trying to manipulate people to tell them what they want to hear to get popularity. He's not a politician. And he said, you went out to see a prophet? Oh, he's more than a prophet. Way more than a prophet. Because he will be the last prophet. The prophets ended with John the Baptist. But he is preparing the way of the Lord. So, Notice this. In his greatness and all these things, when he was in prison and about to be sentenced to a martyr's death, he began to be afraid like anybody would. A real man. He began to doubt like any real man. We all get tempted to doubt and be afraid. And he even began to question, is Jesus the Lamb of God, the Messiah? That will take away the sin of the world. And when his disciples came to visit him, he said, go ask Christ, are you he that should come or look we for another? And he'd been preaching about it. And he even pointed to him when he walked by and said, that's him. And he was baptizing them uh, in a baptism of repentance to prepare the way. And in the urgency and the sadness of the dungeon, of the darkest time in his life when he was locked up 
And he knew it was, this is it. And what did Jesus say? He said, you just go tell. Jesus didn't say, remember, he always, Jesus doesn't tell you plain fact. He tells you spiritual truth. And if you can't figure it out, you don't have the spirit. He did not answer and say, yes, go tell John, I am the Messiah. He didn't say that. That would have been a lot easier, wouldn't it? He said, no, go tell him the works that I do. Go tell him what you see that the dead are raised up and the blind can see and the lame and the withered hand begins to work and the devils are cast out. You know who I am by the works that I do. And remember, he said, believe me for what I tell you or or believe me for the works that I do. So John was not perfect. He doubted. He was afraid. But I want you to look at verse, at the end of verse 5, the greatest miracle that Jesus said is the poor have the gospel preached to them. Did you know that's as great of a miracle as casting out a devil or raising the dead? Now, I was very glad we went yesterday. It was a sad, sad place. I called it, we were in bag, bombed in Baghdad. <laughs> it was brutal, but... They got bombed out in Baghdad. It, it was brutal. You, you were in the room. Uh, but, you know, not very many people answered. We tried, passed out tracks on every door. David had the Spanish tracks. He'd whip them out. We talked to a guy who couldn't speak English. And, you know, we tried to preach the gospel to the poor. That's as big of a miracle as causing the blind to see. And what did he tell John? I'm preaching to the common folk. I didn't come to save, though he came to save all as many as would come unto him by faith. He said, I'm coming just to preach to the poor. And the common people heard him gladly. And look what he says in verse 6. And this is the whole key. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Christ is looking for somebody who doesn't get their feelings hurt who doesn't get offended by the truth. And all those people out there, and I, I got an email yesterday from a man in another country, and he said, why does there have to be a great almighty creator who spoke everything? Why can't everything just exist? And what he got, he's offended by God who created all with the power of His spoken word. And all these New Age spiritual weirdos out there, they don't want to admit that there is one true God who spoke something from nothing and gave men free will and He's sovereign and providential. They want somehow this just all happened. They can't handle it and they're offended. You're telling me my church isn't good enough? that my confirmation and catechism isn't good enough? You're telling me that my catechism wasn't good enough? You're telling me that my grandma's baptism didn't suffice God, wasn't a propitiation for sin? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That's it! They can't handle it. And John, he, I, you know, I, I'm just reading out, John's thinking, Oh, that's why I'm here. They got offended in you. 
That's why I'm locked up in prison. They're going to cut my head off. Blessed is he that is not offended in me. Amen. If you're not offended today, which I'm hopefully you're not if you're here, blessed. What a blessed thing. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. True greatness. It's not being superior to somebody else in a competition. It's being the best you can be the way God made you to be. And I, I love the spirit of excellence. This gives every individual who's ever been born or will be born the opportunity to be great in God's eyes. All right, let's pray. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I ask that no one is leaving. No one is looking around. This is a very important part of the service.